You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You know the drill, everybody. Say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And I invite you, my dear friend, wherever you are, let's all sing in honor of God's word. Here we go. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I am praying that God is going to use this powerful message to bless you today. Anyway, you know, today we're going to take a stroll around one of the most popular Bible stories that you will ever find in the good book. You know, if this were a YouTube video, this would garner the most views in history, especially because, you know, this happened pre-CGI, pre-special effects, it would probably fetch a kajillion views. I mean, no contest, okay? The story that I'm talking about is when Jesus walked on water. How many of you know this story? All right, we're gonna talk about this. And you know, one thing that I love about the Bible is that no matter how many times you read a story, a verse, a parable, God never fails to speak something new. I mean, have you ever experienced that? You read a story in the Bible again and again and God never fails to speak something new to you every single time? That's amazing, right? That's because God's Word is timeless. It's like Levi's, you know, it never dies. It's like Piatos, you never had it this good. It's like mercury drug. Nakasisiguro, salita ay laging bago. It's like PLDT, you know, it's changing lives. It's like pop cola. Always tama ang timpla. And best of all, it's like Super Radio DZBB. Ito ang balita. <laughs> I, I don't get any 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 um, you know fee for that uh, for saying all of that. But anyway, I just wanted to make you smile today. I believe that God's word is alive and active. Do you believe that? It's amazing. Think about it. That these words written centuries ago is still speaking to people and will continue to speak to people until the end of our days. Because I believe that our God is going to pour out right now fresh revelation that will speak into your present situation today. Somebody type this in. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Anyway, here's our message for today, all right? This is our big message, and I, I hope that you, go, you are going to be blessed by this, okay? Here we go. God will rescue you. God will rescue you. May I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read from verses 22 to 27. And take note, okay? Here's the context. Before this happened, the story that I'm about to read to you, Jesus just miraculously multiplied five loaves and two fish into what? A thousand pieces. We talked about this last Sunday. Matthew shows us now what happens next, okay? 
Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says here, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Verse 23, After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And then night fell while he was there alone. Okay, as we preach this message, we're going to give you five game-changing lessons. And I pray that you are blessed by each lesson. Okay, here's lesson number one. God wants a one-on-one -on -one with you. That's right. God wants a one-on-one -on -one with you. Let's go back to how Matthew describes the situation because Matthew uses a very specific word. Okay, Matthew says this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat. Question. Why did Jesus insist? What was the urgency all about? I mean, Jesus just blessed thousands of people. Why the need to rush all of a sudden? And you know, it's not very clear, by the way, in Matthew's book. But in John's narrative, John gives us a clue. Because John says, listen to this, that when Jesus multiplied bread and fish, it almost cost an armed revolution. You see, the estimated crowd around that time, by the way, was around 12,000 people minimum. Okay, minimum. And so after witnessing this miracle-making moment by Jesus, you know what the crowd wanted? They wanted Jesus to become their president, their military king. So here's one theory, that Jesus might have been rushing simply because he did not want his disciples to be swayed by the clamor of the crowd. And you know, we can certainly learn from Jesus on this point. Because isn't it true that sometimes when people clamor us, for example, to run for a position, a title in government, for example. Sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that the people want us. But in fact, Jesus, he was so humble that he was not swayed by the clamor of the crowd because he had followed the will of his Father. And so this brings us now, that's just a quick lesson. This brings us now to the first insight, okay? Jesus sent his disciples and the people away. Why? So that he could be alone to pray. And I'll give you two quick lessons on this point. Number one, being alone is very healthy, okay? Don't ever get your security from having lots of people around you. Like for example, let me ask you this. How many of you can honestly say huh, that you are comfortable eating alone in a public place? Come on, give me a virtual hands up. That's good. If that's you, that's good. I want you to know that being alone or eating alone in a restaurant doesn't show the level of your insecurity because on the contrary, it actually shows the level of your confidence. Okay, for me, I believe this, that people who are not afraid of eating out in public spaces or being alone are very secure people. Okay, second lesson. At a certain point in your decision-making, here's what you need to do. You must stop listening to the crowd because there is a sense in which after you consult your friends for instance you must also stop listening to them you need to now go to your inner closet of your heart and then have a one-on-one -on -one with god okay in the same way that jesus had a meeting with his father jesus went up to the hills to be alone with god we need to also have that regularly in our life get away from all the noise and then retreat to that quiet place and then commune with your lord okay stop always listening to what people tell you to do sometimes you gotta hear what god wants you to do okay that's just the first message here is message number two god will allow you to enter storms and i know that this is a very important point but let me explain first 
while Jesus went up to pray. You know what he did? He asked his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Isn't that what the Bible says? And you know, that's when they encountered the storm. Okay, you know, it doesn't take rocket science to actually understand this. That the reason why the disciples were in a storm in the very first place was because Jesus sent them there, right? And I believe that this will preach to all of you, especially right now, in the context of everything that's happening today. I mean, this pandemic that we are in and all the catastrophes and tragedies that we will go through, I want you to know this, that number one, a storm is not a symbol of God's punishment. Okay, let me make that clear. Evil is not, and let me say that again, evil is not a part of God's design. God's design is not about evil, but it's about love, it's about healing, it's about purpose, it's about mercy. And number two, a storm is not a symbol of God's abandonment. You know, when you go through storms, it doesn't mean that God is forsaking you. I have met too many people who believe that when they go through a big trial, it's because God is absent in their life. That's not true. And let me explain it this way. How many of you would like to know why God is allowing this pandemic to persist. Would you like to know why? See, I have the best answer to this big, big question. And I can sum it up in just three powerful words. You want to know what it is? Okay, listen up, because this will change your life. The reason why God is allowing this pandemic to ensue is because I don't know. <laughs> Maybe four words if you say, I do not know. Okay, I don't know. I don't know, and here's the thing, I may never know why, but you know what? I'm completely okay with that. Because I know that I will never fully understand and comprehend God's mysterious ways. But I do know one thing. I do know this, that sometimes God will send us into a storm because He wants to smash our false sense of security. See, let me explain. We have a tendency of sometimes placing all our trust on false things. Like, like, for example, we think that having a stable, you know, security like finances or great health or having lots of friends will give us a very stable life. But then what happens? A storm comes and then smashes into our boat. And then you lose all your money on a bad deal. You lose your job. You get fired. You, you, you contract an untreatable disease. You lose your so-called friends. And now your boat is smashed into smithereens and you're wondering where it all went wrong. See, there's a purpose why God sends you into a storm. Because I believe that He will use a storm to loosen all your trust on the world so that you can learn how to put your trust and to place your trust on Him alone. Trust the one who can command the waves and the wind to be still. That's the second message. Here's, here's the third one. God's timing is perfect. Amen, somebody. God's timing is perfect. Let's go to verse 24. Verse 24 says this. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, verse 25, this is important. Listen to this. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. Okay, let me give you the context. Three o'clock in the original Greek lang language simply means at the fourth watch of the night. Because they didn't have a, you know, a smart watch back then. The ancients divided nighttime into four quadrants or what they called four watches. 
okay? The first watch, let me explain, was from 6 to 9 p.m. The second watch was from 9 to 12 midnight, okay? 9 p.m. The third watch was from 12 midnight all the way to 3 a.m. And then the fourth watch was from 3 a.m. all the way to 6 a.m. Now, why am I explaining this? Check this out, okay? Jesus came not on the first, not on the second, not on the third watch, but Jesus came at 3 o'clock a.m. or what they call the fourth watch. Why is that important? Because God doesn't always come on the first watch. Sometimes God comes at the last watch of the night. Just when you thought that all hope was lost, just when the night is at its darkness, Jesus shows up because God is never early. God is not even very late. God is always on time. Preach this to somebody right now. God has perfect timing. I want you to trust in God's timing that it's always right and it's always perfect. Here's the fourth message. God is still in charge. God is still in charge. Verse 26, it says here, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Whew, very powerful message. For ancient people, you know, in the Middle East, the ocean was a very scary place to them. Very terrifying place. It was a place that none of them could ever control, maybe except for, you know, Aquaman, of course. You know, it was a very fickle place. It would be calm right now, but then stormy the next, just like your spouse. Come on, amen from all the married people. <laughs> That's why water was a symbol of chaos. But remember what Genesis chapter 1, verse 12 says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Wait a minute. Let's read that again. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Can I preach this for a moment? May I? You know, this gave me a reason to smile this week. And if you're doing anything right now besides listening to me, I want you to lean in on this part, okay? Very important. Are you listening? Okay. How many of you are going through a storm right now? Give me a virtual hands up if that's you. Are you going through a very stormy season, you know, just like the rest of us? If you are, let me announce this to you. And I want you to listen carefully. The Old Testament says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. The New Testament says that Jesus was walking on water. Now check this out. This place that everyone said was chaotic, this place that everyone was afraid of, this place that no one could control, Jesus did the impossible. He walked over the water. Jesus walked over the impossible. So here's the gospel message. The relationship that everyone said couldn't be restored. The breakup you thought you wouldn't get over. That sin that you're having difficulty to surrender. That sickness that you thought wouldn't recover. Guess what? Jesus walks over that thing. Jesus is Yahweh. He is sovereign over the storm. He is sovereign over the chaos. It's not over until Jesus walks over. 
Hallelujah, somebody. He is Lord over that divorce. He is Lord over that bankruptcy. He is Lord over that loneliness. He is Lord over your backsliding. He is Lord over COVID-19. And God says to somebody today, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. So preach this with me right now. God will rescue me. God is going to rescue you, my dear friend. And that's how we want to spend this week. To know that God is a God who will pull us up from deep waters because He's a God who cares. God will ask you to step out of the boat, just like Peter. But God's not going to leave you hanging. He's going he's to pull you out from that storm. And he's he's going to rescue you. Let's pray, everybody. Bow down your heads. Feel God's presence in that place of yours. Heavenly Father, thank you for touching the innermost parts of our being right now in the places that 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 scared, in places that that fears the unknown. And thank you, Jesus, that you are ministering to somebody today, that you are assuring them and giving them the encouragement and hope to know that you are a God who rescues, a God who saves. And so thank you, Jesus. We pray for the rest of the message that it will minister and bless us. Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. One more time, let's all sing in honor of God's word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God bless you, everybody. Please welcome right now, Brother Bo Sanchez. And God will rescue you. That's our message for today. And hi, everybody. This is Bo Sanchez. And thank you so much for joining us. I need to continue the exciting part of the story. I, I'm not saying that the first part is not exciting. Jesus walking on the water. But this one, we can identify. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Can you imagine this guy, you know, volunteering to say, Lord, I know there's a storm, I know that there are waves, and I know the strong wind, but hey, Jesus, call me. I also want to walk on water. And then Jesus answered, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, and then get this, and walked on the water towards Jesus. What a guy. And who said the Bible is boring? My dear friend, if somebody's going to ask you, a friend, whoever, you know, hey, who in the Bible walked on the water? The answer is not Jesus. The answer is Jesus and Peter. He actually walked on the water. Now, now, not maybe, you know, long, not many, maybe many, many steps, but he did. He actually did. And this guy who, you know, was all guts and glory volunteering, you know, so all of a sudden he lost it. He lost the faith. And it says here, uh, verse 30 to 31, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? You know what? As a teenage preacher, I remember one of the earliest talks I ever gave was titled, Keep Your Eyes on Jesus. And it was based exactly on this Bible story. Because let, let me replay that message for you if that's okay. That in life, 
you have a choice. You can focus on the winds and the waves around you, the circumstances and the people and the news around you, or you can focus on Jesus who is in front of you. And I'm telling you, if you focus on the winds and the waves, you will be discouraged. But if you focus on Jesus, your faith will be lifted up and you will be confident and you'll be able to walk on water. My dear friends, that message is powerful. You know, in this pandemic, so many people have written to me, hundreds of people telling me, Brother Bo, please pray for me. I'm having an anxiety attack. And they say, I I can't eat, I can't sleep, I can't breathe, I can't live. What should I do? And you know, when I write to them, I said, the first thing you've got to do is right now, you've got to shut down the nonstop flood of COVID news in your phone because that's what you're focused on. Listen to me. We live in a very unique world where you can, in the touch of a button, know how many COVID cases are added every single day in places that you've never been. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, you know, it's like, where are these countries? But you, in a, in, in a touch of a button, you know what's happening there. My dear friends, if right now you're going through an anxiety attack, attack and you feel like you're drowning, shut off the faucet. And I want you to start focusing on God and His love for you, not on the news that's around you. Is that clear? Keep your eyes on Jesus. But as great as that message is, I don't want you to get distracted to the primary message of this Bible story. What was Matthew really trying to tell you? Are you ready? Here it is. That even if you lose sight of Jesus and even if you get distracted with the winds and the waves and the circumstances around you and even if you fail, listen to me, God will rescue you. This this is message number five. God will rescue you. I want you to give me 100% attention before I say my next line. This story is primarily not about how strong your faith should be. This story is about how strong God's love for us already is. Did you get that? I I hope you did. You know, we have a tendency to read the Bible as an ethical lesson, always as an ethical lesson. Do this, do that, improve here, improve there. But I, I, I really believe that before you make this passage about how we should behave, it should be first of all read as a passage about how God behaves. You know what Matthew was doing in this Bible story? He was exposing God's heart. And he was saying that no matter how your faith fails, this is a crazy message, no matter how much your faith fails, God will rescue you. Now, I always see myself in Peter. He's excitable. He's, he's like impulsive. And I, I, I see that in me. He's also very flaky, inconsistent, and, and <laughs> not very dependable. And I see that 
as well in me. I think what Matthew was doing was he was making all of us see we're all like Peter and we will all fail and we will all sink, which is, which is crazy because all throughout the gospel of Matthew, he will always bring it out that disciples had little faith. And then he will contrast that to certain people who should not have faith, like the Gentiles, the Roman centurion, the Canaanite woman, you know, the stories we read in the previous chapters. And and why do these guys have strong faith, but the disciples don't have faith? The irony is being shown to tell us two things, that God will rescue us in two ways. Number one, he's going to rescue us when we lack faith. Faith is a gift. You know, when I was a young Christian, I, I always thought that faith was something that you stir up within you, like you psych yourself up. And you know what? There's value in that. Every morning, I, I declare scripture verses. I say, I, say um, I can do all things, things through Christ who strengthens me. Today's the day that the Lord has made. You know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is value when you do that. But the longer I am in the spiritual life, the more I realize that the Ability to trust is itself a gift from God. And that faith is a gift. Meaning to say, if you lack faith, you pray. You ask God for faith. God will rescue you by giving you faith. And the second way that God rescues us is is really that when we fail Him, He is there. I'll tell you why. Because faith is not a mental ascent nor is it some, a feeling of certainty. Faith is a relationship. It's, it's not a singular act um, or, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe, but believe. I need to believe. I need to believe. No, it's, it's, an, it's an ongoing journey. It is a process. And therefore, there are ups and there are downs. And sometimes you're up like Peter walking on the water. And sometimes you're down, Peter sinking on the water. And... This is the most beautiful part of Jesus is that when Peter was walking on the water, Jesus was reaching out to him. And when Peter was sinking in the water, Jesus was still reaching out to him. Imagine if something else happened. Imagine if Jesus just allowed Peter to sink on the water. (laughs) Imagine if Jesus just allowed Peter, oops, he's gone. And then he climbs back to the banca, to the boat. And he says, I have an announcement to make. Disciples. That's what happens when you lack faith. You sink. Let's now pause for a few moments of silence and remember our dear brother Peter. One, two, three, four, five. Amen. John, you're now in charge. Let's go build the church. (laughs) That did not happen. I'll tell you why. Jesus, for Jesus, every person is important. And every person counts. And this is the God that you worship. His name is mercy. And by the way, this message is not new. The Jews would read this story, would hear this story, and then they will make connections in their brain that in the Old Testament, God with his mighty arm reaches out, stretches out, and, and, and pulls out Israel from, from the rampaging waters of the Red Sea. And I, I, I want you to know this, that because faith is a journey, it will take time for your faith to grow up and there will be ups and there will be downs and that's okay. God knows that you will sink. And when you do, 
God will rescue you. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. 41 years of walking with God. And I still distinctly remember when I got depressed. It was a combination of my mom passing away and crazy problems at work. It was a lethal combination. And one morning I woke up and I, there was this dark cloud hovering above me and around me. And I did not feel the presence of God when I prayed. Of course, when I look back, you know, I said, oh, God was there. But at that time, I, I, I did not feel God. And, and at a certain point, I was so discouraged that I wrote a, a resignation letter to the ministry elders. And I said, look, guys, I, I've reached a level of incompetence. I, I cannot. I'm quitting. I cannot serve anymore. I cannot lead anymore. And uh, I was just giving up. Thanks be to God, after four months, four dark months, light began to pierce through the darkness. I, again, what I'm going to tell you now is that looking back in hindsight, though I did not feel him, God was there. Though I felt I was drowning and sinking, the hand and the arm of Jesus was reaching out to me. And if right now you are going through a very tough time, and if right now you are drowning, and if right now you feel like you're sinking, can I declare truth to you that Jesus is stretching his arm towards you the way he stretched his arms 2,000 years ago on the cross. And he will rescue you. I want you to receive that rescue right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcast.